Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's a Wednesday edition of PFT Live. Aaron Rodgers yesterday. Hey, let me tell you, that video, slow motion, here it is. Slow motion reporting for work, Aaron Rodgers, tight t-shirt, sucking in the stomach a little bit. Not as much as Tom Brady was in his swimsuit ad yesterday, but you can see sucking it in. Throwing his bag down. Why is he throwing the bag down? I don't know. Are they picking it up for him? I don't get that one either. I, I was, like, laughing at that, too. It's what made me think it was staged a little bit. I was like, is this a video? Like, what is this? I, I don't know what's going on here. He looks jacked. His traps and arms and chest look jacked. I mean, that's, that's pretty thick right there. I've never seen a quarterback come into training camp with that outfit on, though. I, I don't know. And it's the Con Air, <laughs> Nicholas Cage. A movie that I either never saw or I saw it so long ago I don't remember much about it, but that was the immediate link that people made when it showed up yesterday. And I assume Cameron Poe is the name of the character of Nicolas Cage in Con Air. They are telling me that that is indeed the case. And Pam from The Office saying they're the same picture. And that seems to be what Aaron Rodgers was trying to do. And... I guess it worked. I still don't know what the bag thrown to the ground was supposed to be unless that actually happens at some point in Con Air. So the producers of Con Air are very happy that that movie, years after the fact, you're in a little bit of a Going to get a bump. Find out where it is streaming. Maybe it's on Peacock. Who knows? Go to Peacock, open the search box, put in Con Air, and maybe you'll find it there. But Aaron Rodgers, you'll find him at Lambeau Field. Still waiting for his first press conference of training camp, Chris, because remember last year, right. it was that epic 30-minute unloading sure. of problems, airing of grievances that was so compelling. 
what will we get from him this year now that he's back for one more season? And it may just be one more season because he said back in June he thinks about retirement all the time. Yeah, I, I know. I always look forward to his press conferences. They're always fun. I mean, really, for the most part, other than, you know, immunized, he's been pretty honest and open for, you know, throughout the years. So I always do enjoy that. He always has some interesting perspective about the team or where he's at physically, mentally, with the team and all that. Uh, that's why I do appreciate Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't know what's going on with this look. I don't know. It's so funny that he just, in the last year and a half or so, just went into, like, I'm, you know, the lead guitarist for for Led Zeppelin or some, you know, rock band or whatever. It's just, it's it's amazing. And he's staying with the style. He's embracing it. I mean, to a, an extent where, I mean, wearing, you know, the tank top, we call it something else in New Jersey, all right, but I won't say it here, and, like, Tucking Thank it, you, Jerry Jones. That, no problem. And tucking it into the pants, too. That's next level as well. Like tucking the tank top into the pants. And then the tattoo, which I do think is part of the reason why we're wearing the shirt, was maybe to show that off a little bit. But uh, I just. Am I wrong? It's interesting. Am I wrong yeah. in my assessment? Because you're right, he does look jacked. But am I wrong in my assessment that in the midsection there is a deliberate effort, Caddyshack style, the three guys in the pool when Lacey Underalls walk by, to suck it in a little bit, to hold in that gut? Because it that's not a natural posture. I don't think you so. You don't either. naturally yeah. walk around like that. Right. No, I think I'm, there's I'm a little you. bit there's a little bit of hold it in. We'll exhale once we get inside the building going on there. Just to just to complete the look. I'm not I'm not look, hey, I would do the same thing. I'm just saying that looks a little unnatural to me. It looks like I don't think there's a girdle involved under that T-shirt. If no, it was, but he's, he's it. tightening up right here. He's going, all right, let me just flex a little bit so nothing's hanging out the way it shouldn't be. And I look the way I am, you know, the look, look the way I want to for, you know, social media. It definitely, you know, quarterbacks like even, you know, he, he's got a, 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 a special body in the fact that he has very long arms, as you can see, and he has extremely big hands. But in the midsection, a lot of quarterbacks are kind of bigger through there in the oblique area, the torso area. It's why they're good throwers. If you look at a lot of good throwers, they're like that to a degree. You know, again, the twisting, the torquing, having the arm, the long levers connected to it, all that, it is a kind of a, a thing you look for. And this is beautiful by you yesterday, man. That was beautiful. Well, I, I look. It's I Brady, it's it Brady and Rodgers. They're together at because, the pool. Because, right, it was like 10 minutes apart. Tom Brady posts the photo of the latest thing that he's using his Twitter platform to get you to buy, which is fine, yeah. which is fine. I've used the PFT platform what? to get people to buy playmakers for months now, but but what, he clearly he's clearly <laughs> holding it in in that photo. Yes. So I tweeted it then, and then we see the Rogers video, and I said, well, it must be because it's always some day. It's hot dog day. It's pizza day. It was National Franchise Quarterback Suck in Your Gut Day <laughs> on Tuesday. Yeah, right. I had no idea. Well, I never know what national day it is. National Franchise Quarterback Suck in Your Gut Day. That was Tuesday, Which July one 26th. was more awkward or, or weird or just like, you know, made you like, was it, was it you know, Aaron Rodgers and, and lead guitarist who looked like he hadn't took no. a shower in a few days? Or was it, you know, like... What, what was, you know, Blue Steel there? It's like Ben Stiller in the, uh, you know, what, well, what, that's the movie called when he's the model? Zoolander. Zoolander. He's making Zoolander, Zoolander face and sucking it in there. 
Brady's was more awkward because Brady was actually serious. Rogers was in on the joke. Brady was actually serious. And I suspect that there was some sort of of airbrush enhancement to his. It seems like his. Right. Rogers was a real video that the Packers social media team didn't go in and touch up. But that, that was just a hell of a way to go to camp. And, you know, it's funny because last year was when Rogers started with the long hair. And it reminded me of how Brady, like every year he would have a different look. Right. There was that period in the last decade yeah. where he'd have long hair one year and then have a buzz cut the next year. And there was always something different. But Rogers is just more of what he was last year. Like, he took the heel turn a year ago, and now he's really leaning into it. He really And I is. hope that's the case. Yeah. I hope that this is a take-no-prisoners, scorched-earth Aaron Rodgers, give-no-Fs in his last NFL season, if it is his last NFL season. And I kind of like it. It's good for the entertainment value of the I, sport. I'm with you. Brady when you've got Rogers. quarterbacks Go for who have busted the entire script and are just being whatever they want to be. I think it's great for the game. It's great for what we do. Look, we've filled up the first six minutes of the show talking about and, it. Well, yeah, and we're not even done because I got one more important question. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers with the, the, the caption under there about, you know, the greatest actor of all time when he's referring to Nicolas Cage. I thought that was a pretty strong comment. I don't think I'm ready to go there. In fact, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how... You know, he's very polarizing, Nicolas Cage. I feel like it's like one or the other. People think he's good or they think he's the worst thing ever and they won't watch a movie. Where does Mike Florio stand on that? Well, he's been in so many movies over the years. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. And he's been in some movies that I really like. Moonstruck it's was great. awesome. It was great. And it holds up well. Right. 35 years later, Cher wins an Oscar for Best Actress in that film. He's been in other really good movies. He's been in some that aren't really regarded widespread as good. Like The Family Man is a really good, it is a good life-affirming Christmas movie You're that right. I'll always watch. Agreed. If it's on holiday time, I'll always watch it. And you pop it around streaming from time to time, and I think he's good in that. But it really is strange. He's been in so many movies, and I didn't know this. I've learned some Nicolas Cage things today as we try to address the question of whether he's overrated or underrated yes he's the nephew of francis ford coppola i did know that. i'm not sure i ever knew that I, did you know that i did i did know that I, I don't know how i did or whatever but i had heard that before and i think i'd heard that when people like get on him by basically saying that's why he's in the business or whatever when the, it's the a lot it's, come it's out. he's made a career out of it yeah it wasn't just one movie it wasn't just francis ford coppola's disaster the cotton club in 1984 which Nicolas Cage was in. I don't know how big of a role that it was, but he was in The Cotton Club. His debut movie, do you know what his first movie ever was? Mm, no. First movie I ever. No. I'm looking at his filmography. Yeah, go ahead. Fast I'm... Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, my gosh, that's right. He's in there. He is. I, I do remember now seeing his face. That's right. Yeah, you're right, though. Now I'm, I'm and he was up the credited too. Right. as Nicolas Coppola in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Huh, interesting. Cage. So he made the name change at some point after that to get away from any perception that the connection to the legendary director of the Godfather movies, well, the first two, not the third. We'll forget about the third. Yeah, but cares about that any one. connection? No, not, no, no, no nepotism involved here. This is all on merit. And look, at some point, it was him and his career and his a acting ability Definitely. taking over. But it is kind of a mixed bag. I don't know if he's overrated or underrated. I'll say he's properly rated because he's got the haters. He's got the people who admire what he's done. But look, he's not, he's not so widely known. That, for example, when it was time for me to Google his filmography, 
I misspelled his name. I didn't know there was no H in Nicholas all these years. So, like, if he was a big, massive superstar, at some point it would have registered in my brain, there's no H in Nicholas. Yeah, that's but a good point. But it didn't hit me until today. So yeah. that keeps him from being, like, ultimate superstar. Because if you have a funky name spelling and you really are megastar – Everybody knows you've got a funky name spelling. Yeah. And I didn't know yeah. until today. I didn't know it either today. I just put it into Google myself, and I added the H. And I'm just realizing what you're talking about there. But, yeah, it kind of seems like it's disappeared a little bit, no doubt. But you're right. It's all over the place. There's some movies here I go, oh, man, forgot about that one. That is pretty good. And then there's a whole bunch of movies, too, where I go, man, I've never even heard of this, or what the hell is this? So it is a little all over the place when you talk about them. I get the feeling he never said no to a script. Maybe that's his problem. Yeah, that I can see that. In order, and, and let's do a quick psychoanalysis of Nicolas Cage. In order to erase any appearance that it, it, was, it was his connection to Francis Ford Coppola that got him into the business, he just said yes to everything. I'm going to do everything. Anything that comes my way, I'm going to do it. And, and, and look, that, that may be the downfall. Because he's been in some crap. Definitely. He's been in some good movies, and he's been in some crap. And I got to admire the hustle, the work ethic. You got, you got a movie for me? I'm going to do it. I got one life to live. I'm going to do it. I'll do it. You got this? Fine. I got time? I'll do it. All right, I'm done. And instead of, like, disappearing for five years, right. like other actors do, and waiting for that perfect role, he'll just do whatever lands on his desk. I, I got no problem with that. I hear you. I respect that. I, I know. That's just something that actors I know do struggle with. They want to work. I mean, and to work, what do you got to do? You got to act. So not everything you're going to be involved in is going to be an Oscar film. I, I do get that. You know, working. People, it's it's part of their being, and then to to make money, of course, off of that. I, I do get that. I, I I always wonder about how Hollywood stars balance all of that out all the time. That, that's something I've always kind of, kind of been intrigued by. He's got like every year, he's in at least one movie, and he's got years where he's in two, five, three, and, yeah. and look at 2011, like. I don't really remember any of these. Season of the Witch, Drive Angry, Seeking Justice, Trespass, and Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Now, I remember the original Ghost Rider because I saw a trailer for it and I thought, boy, that looks like shit. Sorry. But uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, I did not know there was a sequel. So that was just in 2011, five movies there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 2014, four movies. 2016, five movies. And, and I don't know how big the roles are, but I, you know, the, guy, the guy is he's been busting his ass he has. for 40 I'll years. So no doubt. Nicholas Cage, I got to respect it. Yep. All right. Respect. All right. Fine. Well, we got that for sure. We're not sure about how we feel as an actor and everything like that, but we got major respect. That's where we're at. By the way, what? next film, 2023. Yeah. Now, he's got a few that are in post-production now. The right. Retirement Plan, The Old Way, and Butcher's Crossing. But coming to a theater near you, or maybe direct to video, in 2023, the movie Renfield. He plays Count Dracula in the movie Renfield. And, of course, Renfield was the assistant involuntarily brainwashed by Count Dracula to help him out. Uh, so Renfield coming in 2023. Renfield, after all these years, finally gets his own movie. The I've been the, waiting, man. That Renfield, he's eating, been getting screwed over. <laughs> Bug-eating, crazed assistant of Count Dracula finally gets his star turn. Oh, the original Dracula novel is great. It's great to read. It holds up. It's, it's written as a diary. Not as like a normal book. It's like you, you like you found the diary of whoever it was that tracked down 
Dracula and, and kill. I think they kill him in the end. Hell, I can't remember. But it's it's uh, for as old as it was. I think it was very creative. But Renfield, the uh, the assistant to Count Dracula, who becomes the star and Count Dracula to be played by Nicholas Coppola, aka <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Maybe next year when Aaron Rodgers shows up for training camp, he'll be dressed as Nicholas Cage playing Count Dracula. That is really in good. Renfield, which would take his. Next New level. bad guy role, ultra next level. Hey, I like. Hey, listen, I like that Rogers did that. Rogers having a little fun there yesterday. It's cool. It is. It is. It's. The, it's one of the things I respect about Rogers, and that he is that way, and he's willing to put himself out there a little bit. Not that we always agree with everything he says or does, but uh, I do respect that about him. Pete says we should get to football, but before Let's do we it. do, there's some. Wait, Pete has taken the time to put some Nicolas Cage trivia into our documents, so we have to at least do justice to the work that Pete has done. He has won an Academy Award for Leaving Las Vegas. Which I didn't know. He was know. nominated for an Academy Award for Adaptation. Good movie. He's had two movies that have a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, Left Behind in 2014 and Deadfall in 1993. Proving my point that Nicolas Cage says no to nothing. You got a script for me? I'll do it. No I don't days care off, how bad the like movie Florio is. And Belichick. No days off for Nicolas Cage. And now he's also had debt issues, which may explain why he never wow, stops working. Wow, how does working. that happen? And, and he's the Jim Ursay of the acting set because he buys all kind of crazy stuff. A nine-foot-tall well, burial now we know tomb, why he has debt issues. an octopus, <laughs> shrunken pygmy heads, a $150,000 Superman comic, and a 70-million-year-old dinosaur skull, which he later had to return to the Mongolian government. Good Lord. Wow. I think I think uh, I think we've done issues. Our work here today is done. I think we should just call it a show. (laughs) I don't know how we can top that. He buys a seventy million year old dinosaur skull and then has to give it back to the government of Mongolia. That's a sentence I never thought I would utter in my entire life, much less today. They pay you back for that, right? I mean, he didn't like he didn't have to take that on the chin. Wow, he's he's trying to get his money back. Wow, I don't even know how that's possible. So yeah, they got to figure something out there. That's that's. I want to know more about how the Mongolian government sent people here to get Nicolas Cage to give up the seventy million year old dinosaur skull. That may be his next movie. I mean, his real life may inspire better ideas than some of the movies he's been in, based upon some of the Rotten Tomato scores. All right, it's time to get to football. Before we do, though, before we do, we do have a new YouTube page, NFL on NBC. Play the music. Show the graphics. There we are. Subscribers are gradually increasing. Not quite to the numbers on the screen. That is an approximation of where we will be by the time the season begins. We are moving in that direction. All of our video content there. And look, folks are happy about it. They are happy about it. I wasn't happy about it at first because we got 2.39 million subscribers on the NBC Sports YouTube page, but there's all sorts of sports there that football fans don't give a crap about. That's right. And I respect that. Yeah. All due respect to those other sports that football fans don't give a crap about. Yeah. They want a portal with just NFL content. So if you haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel for NFL on NBC. You'll find the clips from this show, Chris Sims Unbuttoned, and all other NFL content there. Thank you if you have. And what the hell are you waiting for if you haven't? Seriously. I mean, it's a good idea. I'm glad. I'm glad we got that going here at NBC. It really is. Find all the content in one spot. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. 
But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. All right, let's get to it. All right, one of the things you may find if you Mm. subscribe to the NFL on NBC YouTube page. And look, if you're an ardent football fan and you have a favorite team, this is the time of year where you just kind of, you're kind of like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You kind of hold it in a little bit. You hold your breath a little bit because you never know what's going to happen. Like everybody's healthy. Everybody's in best shape of their life, especially when they hold it in. And, and you're just waiting for that lightning to strike one of the best players on your favorite team. And the lightning struck in a weird way yesterday when out of the blue, Joe Burrow's got to have his appendix out. And look, if, if it's going to happen at any point between the start of training camp and the end of the season, I guess the best time for it to happen is right now. Definitely. But it's just an example of crazy stuff can happen at any time. And you can either get injured during a game or a practice or some other weird thing can happen. Yeah. So Joe Burrow, out of the blue, appendix out, and he'll miss 10 days. And that means he's going to miss 10 days of camp. I don't think it'll be an issue for him. But still, he's going to miss 10 days of camp. Yeah, he's going to miss 10 days of camp. That stinks. There's no doubt about it. I think that pretty much like crosses him out for like preseason game number one. You're not going to see him there now. So, you know, that, that's the other aspect. And again, I don't know how much he would have played in preseason game number one altogether. Not a game changer. I mean, your point about how fickle the NFL season can be as far as just luck or, you know, just how things like this can play out in, in everyday human life. Now, yes, can change the the outlook for a whole franchise. Now, fortunately for this one, this is not one of those type of injuries. Yeah, 10 days. All right, he's going to be at the, in the hospital for, you know, probably, what, two, three days at the most? He'll be I back. I don't know. Do they even let you stay? My sister had I don't, They might not. You might be Wednesday, out. And right. She didn't even spend the night. Right. So, so to that point, he's going to be in meetings. You know, I'm sure he'll be on the practice field. It's not like he's learning a new offense, right, Mike? I mean, he's 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 probably, you know, next level in that offense at this point anyways. So, yeah, he's going to miss some reps early on in camp, miss preseason game. But I think, like you said, it's going to give him enough time to get his feet back on the ground, get going to where week one, it's, you know, all systems go. Trivia question for Chris Sims. Yeah. Unexpected, and we know some folks out there love the trivia questions. 2006. Regular season opener, Thursday night, Nick Saban and the Dolphins go to Pittsburgh to take on Bill Cowher in the first game of his last year with the Steelers, hanging the banner after finally getting the one for the thumb after 26 years. Right. Ben Roethlisberger, emergency appendectomy, and didn't play in that week one game in 2006. Question, who started at quarterback in that game for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Wow. Gosh, is it Batch? I mean, I'm just is bingo. It, it was Charlie was still there, yes, right? Charlie Batch. He was. Yep. All right. I do kind of remember that. I do. I just was like, wait, was he still there at that point? I couldn't quite remember my timeline. That's what's scary. You know, you remember players and things, all right, and you forget how you talk about so many times, but then you start to go, wait, what? When did he play exactly? I mean, that's what stinks about getting old in the NFL. Between all the players, all the good ones that you know aren't superstars that we kind of forget about at times uh it's hard to kind of piece them together every now and then charlie batch threw three touchdown passes and joey porter returned an interception for a touchdown as the steelers beat the dolphins without ben roethlisberger 28 
to 17. And if I recall correctly, there was some issue in that game with Nick Saban and his red flag. Like there was some, there was a red challenge flag issue. Like he threw it too late or he tried to time it just right. Maybe I'm just misremembering. Maybe it's just years of recollections being jumbled together. But I remember that game. Yeah. And that was, that was a big night in Pittsburgh. That was, they finally, after the 79 season, finally got back to the Super Bowl and won it. And they didn't have Ben Roethlisberger out of the blue for week one. So there are times when the appendectomy can land at an inopportune moment. Others who have had the appendicitis that results in the removal of the completely useless organ. John Wolford, Rams quarterback, missed the preseason last year because of it. Austin Hooper, Browns tight end, who is now with, who is he with? Oh, he was cut. It is the Titans. He's with the Titans yes. now. Alex Mack played Played a game with undiagnosed appendicitis in 2011 with the Browns and Matt Castle with the Chiefs in 2010 missed a game. So it it can happen. It happened to Joe Burrow, and he'll be out for, for yeah. 10 days. And this is the time of year. Like I said, you're, just, you're worried about that thing that can derail all of that hope that you've built up over these months of your team being 0-0. Zero and zero. But it shouldn't be an issue for the Bengals, and Burrow yeah. should be. They're, Back and good as new, sooner rather than later. No doubt. It's beginner stages, too, of training camp. I mean, as we've discussed before, and you know this, I mean, it, it, it's it's the, the basics of the offense to a degree. You kind of start back at square one and kind of where you were in OTAs. So it's not plays that, you know, are going to be new to the team or anything that Joe Burrow's going to feel like, wow, I haven't repped this before. I need a little more work here. In a lot of ways, you know, again, I don't want to say it's a blessing in disguise, but for lack of a better way to say it, I am. You know, there's some positives in the fact that, hey, to me, one of the questions about the Bengals football team that's a little scary is their backup quarterback situation. It is. You know, and then when you talk about, hey, Joe Burrow, he holds the ball. He takes a lot of hits. We know they haven't protected well. They should be better. You know, if I'm sitting there, you know, as an assistant coach, OC, hey, we'd love to have Joe Burrow here. But I think you can look at it as a positive to go, hey, we can get some of these other guys that, you know, haven't had a lot of reps, don't have a lot of experience in the NFL, you know, get them some passes here and get them feeling good in the offense a little bit. And if nothing else, you get a little more information so you can make decisions about That's right who too. you keep and who you don't That's keep. That's right, Mike. It- comes time to yeah. cut the roster. They got Brandon Allen and Jake Browning. They only have three quarterbacks yeah. that are showing up on the roster. Usually teams take four. They're going to have to add somebody pretty quickly if Burrow's going to be out for the first 10 days because two quarterbacks isn't enough when you got 90 guys running around out there on the field. No, I mean, they might be able to get away since these guys are young, but I, I would think you're right that they're, they're going to be looking at maybe one other arm to add into you know the, the, the fray here. Uh, but – Hey, they're gonna make. I'm sure they're gonna make those guys work. And then even I wonder with Joe Burrow, you know, how long it'll be until maybe he can even throw. Maybe maybe he's gonna be able to throw drills in five days. You know, maybe they don't want him running around or moving, but maybe he can stand there and you know throw the ball and out route to the tight ends and do that type of stuff. I wouldn't be shocked if he can kind of dabble in some of that stuff here. You know, pretty soon. If anybody can defy medical expectations and diagnoses, it's Joe Burrow. Because I remember last year we were very concerned about his comeback from the knee. And they were being very careful with him in the preseason. And I remember thinking back to Carson Palmer when he tore the ACL in that 2005 playoff run for the Steelers. One of the reasons the Steelers got to the Super Bowl and won it, they went to Cincinnati. And Carson Palmer, a low hit from Kimo Von Olhoff, and on his first throw of the game, out for the game, out for the offseason, obviously. But he was into that next year saying that he would still kind of see ghosts around his knee. He wasn't comfortable planning that 
that left leg sure. for the right-handed quarterback, that left leg's exposed. Burrow, we, we were worried about it last year. From the moment they started week one against the Vikings, it was like he'd never even had the injury. It, it was. It was It was crazy. It was, it was about as much as I worried about a quarterback, you know, going into a regular season of Joe Burrow's status in a while. You know, because it wasn't just like us talking about it and the media – I mean, he he had even referred to a few things during training camp about kind of getting it going and feeling comfortable and all those issues. And then if if I you know you know correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he only played what like three plays in the preseason. I think it was three. Like he came in. It like, was a joke. It's like why even bother? Like they took it him out so in the limited. drive, right? They got like a first down, and then it was like first down again, second down, and they took him out of the game and put the other guy in. To where you went, oh man, they're really concerned about him. But you know, like you said, week one he got healthy just in time, and then who was it? They, who was that team they beat in week one? I can't remember who was that. I, well, well, I, yeah, the Vikings. <laughs> they had a little problem last year with figuring out where the end zone was against the Bengals. Right when it was third and inches from the fifty in overtime, they treated it like the goal line. And it blew up in their faces. And then later in the year when they were in Detroit and the Lions were trying to win the game, they just treated the, the goal line like it was some radioactive vat of quicksand and they backed off of it completely and let Amon Ross St. Brown catch the touchdown pass that won the game. So there's, there's two games. And it just shows you how razor thin yeah. the margin is. They're in the playoffs. Between playoffs right. and no playoffs. And you get a couple of stupid-ass coaching decisions. Sorry, Mike Zimmer. He was the defensive expert. You're treating the 50 like it's the freaking goal line, and you lose to the Bengals. And then you ignore the goal line when you're playing the Lions, and you lose there. You turn those two losses into wins, and that's a playoff team. Yeah, I hear you. I know. It is. It's tough. Yeah, And also, if I remember correctly, that Bengals-Vikings uh, game had the controversial Dalvin Cook fumble, right? That didn't really look like it was a fumble, but we didn't have but enough there was evidence no good to overturn view. it. Right. Right. Yeah, it seemed like his butt was on the ground. Then the ball came out. So, yeah, your, your, your squad had a – you know, some tough breaks last year, but not that you're a fan of them or anything. Not that you remember no. those little details or anything. No, like I that. don't. Re I remember yeah. the details about every game played <laughs> by every team. What are you talking about? Uh, all right. So Joe Burrow should be fine. And uh, still, it just underscores the fact that that the, the truly zealous fan fanatic fan short for fanatic, the fanatics are obsessed about all the ways their dreams can collapse in the preseason, whether it is that. And I, you know, you, it's just, I don't even want to go any farther with it. I, you don't want to name names or throw out potential injuries, but it can happen. It can turn a season upside down. Vikings 2016, Teddy Bridgewater at the end, the haze in the barn on the preseason and training camp, and you're ready to go. And his knee just completely is obliterated non-contact at a practice. And it just it threw the entire they, – they had high hopes. First year of the new stadium, Teddy Bridgewater coming into his own, and that was it. So it, it just it can happen to any of the 32 teams at any time. One of the 32 teams trying to get themselves in position to win what would be their second Super Bowl in three years. Joining forces with a guy that Tom Brady, once upon a time, took the ring off of his finger – in Super Bowl 51, Julio Jones made that catch in Super Bowl 51 at the sideline, and that was the moment where I thought, this game's over. Nice try, Patriots. Thanks for attempting yeah. to erase the 28-3 deficit. But once Julio Jones ever. made that catch, it was over, yeah. and then it wasn't. And now Julio Jones, after 
months of free agency with limited interest. Just yesterday, we wrote the story at PFT that the Colts GM Chris Ballard came out and said, I know there's stories out there that we're talking about Julio Jones. We're not. They're false. We're not. Because everybody thought, hey, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones together again in Indianapolis. No. Same day. Same day. The news emerges that Julio Jones signing with the Buccaneers, who, if he's, if he's got any gas left in the tank, they're going to be loaded at receiver. There's that catch. That was it. He gets that, that trail foot down, and that game is over. He's the MVP. With that catch, that game is over. And it wasn't. Yeah. But what a catch. Incredible. It's amazing. Amazing. To yeah. get that foot down, that's Lynn Swan Super Bowl ten type of a catch. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's a hell of a throw, too, to put it in the spot where like kind of only he could get it. But, yeah, Julio Jones, is he's in that conversation for greatest receivers of all time. He is. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's Randy Moss or Terrell Owens or Jerry Rice yet, but he's in, like, the next group of guys where we could all argue, like, who's four through ten. I mean, he's, he's, he's all-time special talent. But I don't know if it really, like, moves the needle for me right now, Mike. I don't know. It's a lot of sizzle. I don't know if there's a lot of steak there anymore with Julio Jones. I mean, what, what, what is it? Uh, you, you, it's, what, nine games two years ago? Ten games last year? Managing practice? You know, it's kind of, you know, one of these guys where, hey, we don't practice all week. And then, hey, you know, he moves around a little Saturday and gets ready on the, you know, pregame warm-up Sunday. So it's iffy. It's got some potential, but I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, man. Uh, not yet, at least, and go, game changer, game changer. Oh, my gosh, the Bucks got Julio. Holy crap. We'll see. Maybe he can gather up and get healthy here and have a little bit of a second wind here to the end of his career. But as it stands right now, I'm kind of just going, all right, there's a little potential, but I'm not going to like go, oh, wow, this offense is another stratosphere now. In 10 games last year, 10 starts with the Titans. He had 31 catches, 434 yards, and one touchdown. Those were all career lows, including a year back in 2013 when he only appeared in five games. He had more catches, yards, and touchdowns in the season he appeared in only five games with the Falcons than he did appearing in 10 games last year with the Tennessee Titans. And there has been in recent years. And it started for the Falcons in 2018. I remember as this was unfolding. We've talked about it before. When Matt Ryan got to $30 million a year, yeah. that's when Julio Jones was like, what the hell? Yeah. Well, what the hell? Right. How is he worth twice as much as me? And the Falcons had a contract issue with him. And he still had 1,677 yards in 2018, Pro Bowl season. I mean, it was an incredible performance, but that was when the Fisher began with the Falcons and it felt like he was on limited time. They still made it three more seasons. But that last year, it just kind of, you kind of knew it was ending. You just kind of had that feeling that the train was pulling into the station in Atlanta. They made the decision to move on, traded him after June 1 to the Titans. High expectations, joining forces with A.J. Brown. Remember how Brown was so zealous no about doubt. trying to get him to come to Tennessee? And then it was just it was a major disappointment. Like, people were surprised the Titans cut him after the year. It's like, well, you must not pay much attention to what he did or didn't do for the Titans. Of course they're going to cut him. They're not going to pay him the second year of that contract, not after what they got out of him in his first season in Tennessee. No, that, that's right. You know, and, and they, they, they need you know, somebody dependable there. They're not a, you know, a team that seems like they're uh, – you know, always going to be into just receiver, 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 receiver. They they kind of want to just seem like they rotate two, three guys there in Tennessee. And you're right again. You know, it's a it's a big figure in the locker room. You know, guys like that usually want a little bit more money than you know maybe they should really get at that part of their career. 
Uh, so, I, I mean, I understand it. I am. You know, guys like this, again, I think the Bucks are the type of team that's perfect for a Julio and the fact that, yeah, they don't, they're not desperate that they need his services, you know, every week, all the time. They're still pretty talented at the wide receiver position. I think this is like a hopeful for some icing on top of the cake here type of move to where you go, man, maybe we get him and he does stay healthy for 14 weeks and he does give us a few games where, oh, we saw a few plays of the old Julio and he helps us win a few games that we might not have without him. They, they recently signed Kyle Rudolph and yeah. he was viewed as the Gronk replacement, but in a weird sort of way, Maybe Julio's the Gronk replacement. The clutch third down catch. Big the body. Blanket yeah, for right. Tom Brady. Sure. Maybe in a weird sort of way it's going to be Julio. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is. Uh, you know, again, he's he's a guy that can kind of do everything. He's smart. You know he's going to know football. So he's going to be able to keep up with Brady in the offense and everybody there. You know, but yeah, it gives him another option too. I mean, man, you, you, you do think about the fact of, him, Russell Gage, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. The one thing that jumps to my mind when they signed him yesterday, I go, damn, is that the biggest four-person receiver squad I've ever heard of? I and mean, those are big guys. They're all 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", you know, pretty muscular and all of that to where, to your point, Mike, they can kind of, Brady, oh, you got a guy on you, so what? Box him out a little bit. I'll put it in a spot. You can reach out and get it. But I'm interested to see, you know, what Julio Jones really does have left in his tank. I know he can catch the ball and get open a little, can he make a special play anymore? Can he catch a slant and break a tackle and run for another 30 or 40 yards? I mean, that's, to me, I think the thing I want to see. I know he can get open for the slant and catch the ball, but is it going to be a six-yard gain or can we get something more? That's, I think, the big question with Julio. I remember Chris Godwin tore the ACL late in the regular season last year. This isn't a short-term Chris Godwin replacement. Godwin is active for the start of it's training amazing. Camp. No pop list for him, which yeah. really is amazing. I mean, we... We have kind of gotten to the point where we expect a guy. Isn't it amazing that medical science and the rehab process has got to the point where we expect a guy to be good to go after a torn ACL, even if it's late in the year. But there are plenty of examples of guys who are back and ready to go, and Godwin is ready to go. So they have a pretty good receiving core. We're going to have a draft later in the program of the best receiving cores top to bottom in the NFL. And, Chris, two more points on Julio Jones. Yeah. First – First, it'll be interesting to see what he's getting paid. And any time the five-minute heads-up is provided to Shefty or whoever, and the numbers aren't there, yes, and we've gone almost a full day with the numbers not being there, that means the numbers really aren't there. And I think that was one of the things Julio Jones had to come to terms with. He wasn't going to get paid anywhere close to what he was accustomed to being paid. Uh, I would think so. I would think that's why there was the delay. And then also pairing that up with the fact of, yeah, he's at a point in his career where, you know, he's not going to, he doesn't want to go to a team that's unproven or he doesn't think he's going to be in the mix of things. Yeah, he's going to pick teams like the Titans and the Bucks, teams where he thinks, okay, maybe I can go get that ring that Tom Brady stole from me. So uh, that, that'll be – I'm going to guess, Mike, I'm going to say this. This is going to be my guess contract-wise. You throw yours out there. I'm going to say he gets like $2.5 base salary, but he's got a chance to maybe make it like $7 million with, you know, incentives or something like that. That's going to be my guess. Kyle Rudolph did one year $2 million with $1.5 million guaranteed and another $1.5 million in upside. So I, I'll say it's going to be one year – 
Three million okay. with five hundred thousand of it tied to per game roster bonuses. You got to show up and play to get the full three million, and I'll say another two and a half million in incentives. So I think it's going to be one year up to five point five million. That's my guess. Okay. What was yours? Uh, I said two point five. With I didn't get specific. I just said with some you know other things to make it richer. So. You know, I'll say two point five up the chance to maybe if everything goes good to make seven million. That's what I kinda said at at the at, at, at end of the end of the day, excuse if, me. If we were playing prices right, I should have gone two point five five million. <laughs> I'll say three million base, two and a half million upside, five and a half million, uh, and that's why it wasn't broadcast to the world. If if it's and it's gonna be something like that. If it was some amazing number, it would have been right there in the tweet from Shefty yesterday afternoon. And another item yeah. that was disclosed oh, okay. yesterday, yep. the other team. Did you see the other team that was interested? No, I did don't you think see? I did. The two, the two quarterbacks in the suck-in-your-gut club. Their teams were in the tug-of-war, well, yeah. apparently, for Julio Jones. But, you know, I think what the Packers are doing, yeah. when one of these big-name receivers is available, they act like they're interested right. just to keep Aaron Rodgers from getting his nose out of joint. And then they never close the deal. Well, well, I they mean, let the other team close the deal. Right. And, and to me, that's like a, they already got Sammy Watkins. It's the same guy in the same situation. Not going to be able to practice a lot, right? What does Sammy Watkins start on? The pup list or the NFI, NFI list, right? He started there. You know, so that's just, you know, I, I, I don't I, – if I was them, I, I agree with you, but I don't know if that makes sense anyways. I don't know. Well, if but you have obviously two of they them, need some help. If you have two of them, maybe one, one of them always going to be ready to go. Well, let me ask you this. When I made my comments about Julio Jones, you know, and I, and I really do believe that, that I think he's kind of in that next group of guys conversation-wise. Like Julio Jones, to me, is one of the receivers from this era for sure that goes to the Hall of Fame, and there's not that long of a wait. I, I do look at him and put him in a class of very, very special receivers there to where, yeah, I look at him as being one of the greatest receivers of all time. I do. He is 17th all-time in receiving yardage. 17th all-time. Yeah. Now, I, I think And a lot that, less years than the other guys that are ahead of him, too. Right, right. He's, he's behind Torrey Holt, Henry Ellard, Anquan Bolden, guys who are not Hall of Famers, Andre Johnson... Reggie Wayne, Steve Smith, there there are guys ahead and guys guys like that are getting. Is Reggie Wayne in this year? Does Reggie Wayne did he get in this year? I can't even remember. They put so many guys in every year. I can't remember who's getting in. We'll find out. We'll be there next week, so we'll find out whether or not he's getting in. Don't tell me until next week. I don't think he but, did. But um, okay, so I, I I think you know with Julio Jones, it's it's almost like his case would be better. If he had just retired a few years ago, right? I mean, Calvin Johnson got in. Where's he on the all-time list? Yeah, he's down. Calvin there. Johnson parlayed. You know, he's he's thirty-second. Right. He's he's well behind Julio Jones at seventeenth, but he parlayed a short career where it was spectacular, start to finish. There's and and look, Julio Jones only had two down years, but you don't want to have too many of those down years at the end of your career because it does kind of take some of the sizzle away from the full body of work. If the last recollection of the guy is three, four, five years of, hey, he's really not that good anymore. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. It does. It does. You know, but, hey, they want to play. 
You know, I still think we look at Randy Moss and you look at his numbers and I still think of like when I look at it and go, oh man, 15,000 yards and all those years. I don't think about, oh man, the end with the, the 49ers or some of those teams. I don't know. You know, now that the time has passed long enough, I do think of the glory years. I think of when he was special with the Vikings and the Patriots. So I think maybe sometimes that's just because of it's right now. We say that and think that. I don't know, but I think we do forget about it maybe in you know ten years or at least time, as time passes a little bit. It'd be a no-brainer if they had won that Super Bowl. I, I don't That's think there's the any thing. doubt. I don't and, think. There's and any when doubt. you said when you said he's going to play with the guy who stole his Super Bowl ring, I thought, wait a minute, he signed with the Forty ers <laughs> Sorry, um, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. I just know that you get mad about that. All right, so <laughs> here's another thing that I thought would be an impediment for Julio Jones. If you're not higher than fourth on the depth chart, who's playing special teams out of the receiver room? And you look at the Buccaneers now, you rattled off the names, Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, Russell Gage, you've got Julio Jones. They've got other guys floating Tyler around Johnson there. Tyler Johnson, who we've talked about. Scotty Miller's still I mean, there. Brashad Perriman's there. You're going to have guys. Guys make that team are going to be playing special teams. Yes. And there's no way Julio Jones is going to be playing special teams at 33. You're right. That's where that's where they're going to have to figure out how they want to do this on the roster. I don't think any of like, Really, those top four receivers you see there, none of them are going to play special teams. That's where it's going to have to fall on. You know, the Tyler Johnsons and maybe the Scotty Millers and all that. You know, Cyril Grayson, maybe he gets involved there. But, yeah, that's certainly going to be part of, you know, their discussion as far as who makes the team. Uh, They do have Jalen Darden, who's a small jitterbug guy that they drafted out of North Texas two years ago. He'll be the kick returner, punt returner type. But, uh, yeah, you're right, Mike. That's something they're going to have to think about when when they, you know, figure out this roster come cut time. You know, Scotty Miller kind of became out of sight, out of mind last year. I got to, I, 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 some of those guys aren't going to make the roster, and I'm uh, not yes. going to say which right. ones. But Scotty Miller just kind of fell off the face of the earth. He was, he was that guy you could count on in 2020 for yep. the big catch in the big spot out of nowhere, and that was it. One, he was good for one a game or every other game, a 50 yard catch, slip behind the defense, nobody pays attention. He makes the catch. Brady finds him, and last year that just wasn't there. And I know injury was part yeah, of it. It was. Yeah. There's going to be. They, they've got so many good receivers. There's going to be guys, and other teams are going to be watching, and maybe they can trade one or two of these guys because other teams are going to be saying, boy, we'd like to have one of those guys in our receiver room. So no uh, we'll see how that, that plays out. Yeah. Okay. A pass catcher who was added last year via trade by the Arizona Cardinals met with reporters yesterday, and this is one of the practical realities of the Kyler Murray homework clause you have created by insisting on the addition of a requirement that he engage in at least four hours of study each week during football season, you have created a distraction because a distraction is the thing that everybody in the locker room, especially the receivers and tight ends and quarterbacks and coaches are going to be asked about. Zach Ertz was the first one to be asked about it yesterday. Here's a little bit of the back and forth about Zach Hertz discussing the Kyler Murray homework clause. I wasn't obviously there for the process. It's way above my pay grade, but he seems like he's in a really good place mentally today. Um, and he seemed like he's been in a really good place all offseason, in my opinion. I think he's learned from the Rams game. We've all learned a lot. Um, the addendum is what it is. But in my opinion, Kyler's the guy that knows the playbook inside and out. When I first got here last year, he was the guy that was helping me along in learning the playbook. Um, and ultimately, I got to be on the same page as him. So he was helping me with all of that. 
and ultimately he's happy. And no matter what the contract says in the language, um, he's happy, and that's all that matters to me. Now, in full fairness, Zach Ertz later was asked a specific question about preparation for opposing defenses because knowing the playbook is completely unrelated. We were texting about this yesterday, completely unrelated to film study in advance of a game. That's not to learn your playbook. Exactly. That's to learn the other team's defense right. and what the 11 guys who you're going to be encountering do and where the weaknesses may be. Yes. Now, Ertz said he always knows the other defense. I would ask him questions and he would have answers. And that's fine. Look. The guy who catches passes knows there's certain things you have to say about the guy who decides where he's going to throw the passes. It's not like he's going to throw Kyler Murray under the bus. People are like, oh, see, it's a non-issue because Zach Ertz said he knows the opposing defense. Well, no, it is an issue because the team decided to jam this clause into the contract. And my understanding is it was a deal breaker from the team's position. They insisted on having this in there. Right. So it doesn't matter what anybody in the locker room says. Somebody high enough up in that organization thought there was an issue with the amount of time Kyler Murray was studying the opposing defenses week in and week no, out. And no, he admitted no. it no, to no. the New York Times. Yeah. We talked about it yesterday. He admitted that he doesn't grind film the way other quarterbacks do. It, it's real. It, you know, the more the time passes, the more you just sit there and, like, even when we got done with the show yesterday and you think about it more, you go, of course it's real. I mean, how is this not a real thing? It's not just, like, something they made up and just said, hey, let's put this in the contract, too. There obviously was something there within the organization that they felt that this needed to be put in there. You know, and I don't know who it was, who it is, or what it was, but it just doesn't go in there, you know, unless it was real. It doesn't. They had to know that this was going to be a little bit of an issue, but I'm thinking they didn't care because the issue of, all right, wait, he's not watching film enough, was more of an issue. So they were willing to deal with this blowback right here. All right, your point exactly right about the playbook. I mean, first off, if you don't know your playbook, you don't give the guy 230 million dollars. I mean, that that's a given. I mean, and of course he knows the playbook. He's been in the same playbook since since a freshman year in college. So that's to me maybe part of the problem here too is the fact that when he was a rookie, he was teaching all the veterans the offense and didn't like probably felt like he was the smartest guy. So that's that. Here's the quote from the New York Times, and I'm, I'm going to c- continue to talk. But Mike, you also said it right too. All right, so Zach Ertz talked about the defense. Listen. We, I don't go. I'm not saying we don't think Kyler Murray got in the game and was like, man, I don't know what defenses they play. I think he knows. He's listening all week in the team meetings, the quarterback meetings, all of that. The point is that you watch the film to gain little clues, like you're saying, that can give you just a a, a microsecond of oh wait. Here this comes. I can be ready for it, whether it's the changing of a coverage and you're just starting a drop back or whatever, or getting a feel for a blitz is coming to go, oh, wait, you know, you changed the route of the receiver or change the play altogether. Wait, I saw this last week when the safety creeps over just a little bit. Now they're going to do this blitz and it's going to be something else. That's why you watch the film. And to me, that's what this is all saying. It's not that he's dumb or not smart or doesn't know things. He understands all that. I just don't think he's doing the next level stuff. I think you and I are both saying the same thing where it's Brady, Rodgers, Manning, where they're like, oh, his toes pointed this way, his arms this way. I saw this on film. That might mean he's playing zone or blitzing or whatever. And those are the little things that get you over the top against the great teams in football. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Chris Spielman was on this program before you joined us on a full-time basis, and he was mesmerizing 
talking about the process of studying film from the defensive perspective, but it's the same idea. Yeah. You're looking at the 11 guys on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and you're trying to find anything that you see them do in other games that you can apply to what you see in real time as the play is preparing to happen and once the play begins to unfold. Anything you can find, any edge that helps you understand what the other team is going to do. Because you have your plan, they have their plan. And the more you can figure out what their plan is and where their guys are going to move, because there's only 11. Once this guy moves this way, it creates something here. If he goes this way, it creates something here. Yes. And it is, and, and I think this is the problem with it. Because, Chris, it's got to be tedious, boring demanding you got to be focused you got to be studying actively for anything you see that makes you say oh you know we've cracked this a little bit when you know the outside linebacker when he, he he puts his right foot back behind his left one and that's when he drops into coverage and when he has the right foot up even with the left foot that's when he rushes you find something like that. Yeah. And and this is – it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The two miscues in coaching by Mike Zimmer that cost the Vikings two victories last year. All it takes is one play in one game on one drive, and that can change your whole season. So that's the edge that Peyton Manning looked for obsessively. Right. And that's what they're trying to get Kyler Murray – to do because if you take his incredible physical skills and you throw on top of it the kind of dedication that a Peyton Manning had to studying every aspect of the opposing defense you have a guy who's unstoppable yes no doubt about it you're right I mean it's a special talent there is and that's where I think this is all is I mean you know again yeah Hey, Brady and Manning, they're not so next level. It's not even about the DBs and the safeties and all that. They're getting clues from the defensive line, the, the great quarterbacks, going, man, this defensive tackle, when he's head up on the guard, they usually bring the Mike linebacker and the Sam linebacker on a blitz. And when he's on the outside shade, oh, they play Tampa 2 or cover 3 and all that. That's where you know it can get to. And to your point, yes, he has special ability, but – Hey, it's kind of the gift and the curse. That's what happens with special ability sometimes, too. You know, to, to Bucky Brooks' point and what we said yesterday, I mean, he steps on the field and he's he kicks butt no matter what level it is, wherever he is. And even for the NFL, like we've talked about, you know, he's had a lot of moments of kicking butt there, too. And, and But I think this is the, the thing we're looking at is, and it's a little bit of the theme of the Cardinals, you know, hey, the middle class, the lower class of the NFL – you know, you can get away with it a little bit. You're talented. You guys are pretty well coached. Have that, but to get to the next level and start winning playoff games consecutively, that's where film study, Cliff Kingsbury changing up the game plan, all of that stuff takes you to the next level, and that's where Murray's got to get to. You know, and, and again, we've seen really talented guys before. They rely on their physical talents when they've been able to get it done for the most part. But I think we're getting to that time where you go, you're not going to get it done for the most part all the time anymore. And what's been the problem with Murray and the Cardinals his three years in the NFL? What's been the problem? Yeah, end of the year starts. Right. To- and what? And, and, and think about end of the year. No doubt. You're getting ready to play a team in week 16. Sure. There's a lot more film to pick through. And they're doing it to you 
if you're not doing it to them, advantage them. And that may be one of the reasons for the Cliff can't finish Kingsbury teams of the last nine years. They're working hard, but maybe they're not working on the right things when you get to the end of the season. you got to access that full database of everything that that team you're getting ready to play has done from the preseason until now. And it becomes, I would assume, more arduous when you face an opponent later in the year, especially if it's not a team from your division, where you've got to do the full workup and you don't have a whole lot of time to do it. And that may be one of the ingredients between having a team that starts strong and finishes strong or a team that does fall apart. And again, last year, I think the ankle had a lot to do with it, but all the more reason to be grinding the film. If you know your ankle is going to put you at a disadvantage, you better find your advantage somewhere else in knowing even more about what the 11 guys on the other side of the line are going to be doing, Chris. Yeah, 100%. And then, yeah, you, you I think you're saying it right. Like, you couple an injury with Kyler Murray, and, oh, wait, DeAndre Hopkins isn't there, and then Rondell, Rondell Moore got banged up a little bit. And, and so all of a sudden, now that's when it's supposed to, oh, wait, our players who just make plays for us all the time, they, they're not here. They can't make plays. Oh, wait, we got we to gotta coach and find other angles or other ways to gain an advantage. And I think that's what you're talking about was, as the season goes on. We're not seeing them do that. So we'll see where it goes. Let me ask you this, Mike. Do you think the team needs to come out and kind of make a statement in defense of Kyler Murray or say something here to diffuse the conversation a little bit? After the show yesterday, I actually – took it on myself to do something I rarely do, which is work. And I tried to find out more information about how this all came to be and how important it was to the final deal. And I asked the Cardinals, can I just have five minutes with somebody, somebody to talk about this clause? It may have come from the very top from Michael Bidwell, this clause. Oh, can I talk to him for five minutes? Can I have anybody? They, They don't want to talk about it. So I think they realize that they may have stepped in it and they're in the process of trying to ignore it and or scrape it off their shoe and move on. Uh, they don't want to make it a bigger deal than it already is. So they declined to comment on it. And and that's that. So they don't I mean, but the, they're going to be asked about it. Kyler Murray's going to be asked about it. And I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't. Remember when Russell Wilson did his second contract? Not his second contract, his most recent one, his third contract with the Seahawks. I remember first getting the vibe in the aftermath of that that transaction that he's not doing another one in Seattle. Just the uh, divorce is inevitable. Uh, depending upon how they handle this with Kyler Murray and his four hours per week of mandatory study, uh, th- th- this could be the wedge that they can't come back from. And it may take three or four years, but this could be the moment where the relationship begins to fracture and uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. But it's just not It's just not a healthy relationship to have that thrown in there, Chris. No, it's not. It definitely is going to make things a little awkward. I mean, hopefully they can, you know, realize it's a mistake and, and try to move on and, and, you know, go on to bigger or better things here. And I don't even know. One if last mistake... point, though. Let me make yeah. one last point go before ahead. I yeah. forget, because yeah. I've forgotten for the entire discussion. Another thing we reported yesterday, there's an, a separate clause in the agreement which contains a very broad prohibition on any baseball activities. Extremely broad. He can't even look at a baseball, basically, without jeopardizing his guarantees. And it's, it's, it's not quite that broad. But he can't play, he can't practice, can't try out, can't do anything with any baseball team anywhere. And, of course, that's in there because he was a top-10 draft pick of the Oakland A's, and he still talked about, up until he signed this contract, maybe trying to do both someday. Yeah. So they had a reason to put that in there. Here's the point. 
They had a reason to put the no baseball That's clause right. in there. Right. They had a reason exactly to put the the four hours of study in there. They're not just pulling stuff out of the air. And uh, you say, oh, let's say you can't you can't buy a Porsche. Let's put that in there. I mean, it's not just random stuff that there's no reason to require of the guy. Yeah, there was a reason to say no baseball. There's a reason to say four hours per week of study. Uh, and when I hear you say things like deal breaker and all that thing and that type of stuff, that's that's when I do go, oh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if it if it came from the owner or whatever else there, you know, the, the owners, he's not. He's not, even if he did put it in there and wanted it in there and make it happen, like, it's not him that tells everybody, like, hey, I want to put this provision in. He's being told by coaches and people in the organization, too. You know, so this is not like he just grabbed this out of, you know, uh, thin air. This, this, I wouldn't be shocked if this is, you know, Cliff Kingsbury playing good cop, bad cop behind the scene, talking to his agent, Kyler, hey, everything's good, everything's good, and then going up to the owner, Michael Bidwell, and go, you know, we might need to put this clause in the contract. Don't tell them I told you this, but we need to put this clause in the contract. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if that's how it went down. And again, the next level genius here would be if the Cardinals knew it was going to get out, knew that it was going to make them look bad in the short term, but that public reaction reinforces the point to Kyler and coaxes him to be more dedicated and motivated. Might have watched four hours of film last night. Maybe (laughs) watching four hours of film every day for the rest of his life, even after he's done playing. All right, let's take a break. If you watched the program yesterday, and we have an important note on that when we return, but if you watched yesterday, you weren't surprised to see what the 49ers ultimately said yesterday afternoon about Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. 